0: listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. Well, I'm the one that's kicking off our series uh, today called This Is Love. And um, on this Palm Sunday, Uh, We're going to look at the first words of Jesus from the cross found in Luke 23, verse 34. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And um, if you're a title taker for sermons, my sermon today is titled, Love That Forgives. Love That Forgives. Before we look more intently at Jesus' first words from the cross... (coughs) I want us this morning to begin by looking at Jesus, the man upon the cross. If you are a Christian, my prayer for this sermon is that you would take a fresh look at him and you would, there would be a renewed sense of awe and wonder at who he is and what he's done We we sang a lot about who he is and what he's done this morning already. I think one of our greatest temptations as Christians is, as an old Scottish preacher, Robert Murray McShane, once said, for every ten looks at Christ, take one look at yourself. I think often we're prone to do the opposite, for every ten looks at ourselves, we take, if we're lucky, we take one look at Christ. And so many of us come in here this morning and we're more aware of our sinfulness and our struggle and our just not measuring up than we are aware of just how amazing a Savior we have and of the fact that He has forgiven all our sins. And so, Christian, that we would... Have a renewed sense of awe and wonder this morning. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you've never looked at Jesus. My prayer for you is that as we look at him together, you'd want to know him. And you'd want to love him. So as we begin, would you behold with me the man upon the cross... Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 17, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, And for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Midtown, behold the man upon the cross. This is Jesus, the man upon the cross. The writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1:3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Midtown, behold the man upon the cross. John chapter one, verses one to three. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Behold the man upon the cross. And we read in verse 14 of that same chapter in John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, lived among us, made his dwelling among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Behold the man upon the cross. God becomes man. God becomes one of us, not surrendering anything of his deity but he steps down, he lays aside his majesty and enters our brokenness and lives among us. For all eternity, the Son has only known infinite love and fellowship with the Father. Think about this. For all eternity, all he has ever known is infinite love and fellowship. There was no need whatsoever among the Trinity. but the Father in His infinite wisdom sends His Son to live among us so that the love and fellowship of the Father for the Son could be shared. He enters our world as an infant born in a stable, lying in a feeding trough. He becomes like one of us. He knew what it meant to be hungry, to burp, to cry, to suffer, to experience poverty, to be misunderstood, to experience grief. He was rejected. He was betrayed by one of his disciples and then betrayed by one of his closest friends closer to his death. Yet throughout his entire life, everywhere, In the scriptures, we see Jesus doing good, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, raising the dead. His words are wisdom. His life was flawless before God and man. For three decades, Jesus never entertained a thought or uttered a word or carried out an action with an impure motive. He was always honoring his heavenly father. He honored his earthly father and mother. Jesus never lusted. He never was sinfully angry. He never gossiped or slandered. He never stole. He never told a lie. He never coveted. He never broke one commandment. Jesus was the only God man that loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was the only one who loved his neighbor as himself. The Scriptures bear witness to these truths over and over again. Midtown this morning, behold the man upon the cross. 1 John 3, 5 tells us that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and yet in him, he says, there is no sin. But We read that at his trial before his death, Jesus, the perfect son of man, was charged with blasphemy and treason. The same charges that you and I should face before the judgment seat of God had it not been for Jesus, the man on the cross. For we made ourselves into gods and blasphemed his holy name, We've rebelled against his righteous rule and and have decided that we know better. We've taken the crown off his head and, and placed it on our heads and decided that we would be better to rule our own destiny. We are guilty of the highest form of treason against our creator, our maker, our holy, righteous God and king. Behold the man upon the cross. And secondly, behold his first words this morning, Midtown. Father, our text, Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. For a snippet, we've saw Jesus, the man, and now we see this prayer that's coming from Jesus. And it tells us why he's on the cross. Jesus is on the cross to forgive us. He's on the cross to forgive us. Notice that Jesus prays to the Father and asks him to forgive them. And yet we know from the Gospels that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. We remember the story of in Luke 7 of the woman who was a sinner that sat at Jesus' feet and Poured expensive perfume on his feet. She wiped his feet with her hair and tears. Jesus says in Luke 7, 48, your, he said to her, "Though your sins are forgiven. To the paralytic in Matthew 9, 2, Jesus said these words, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees got their shorts in a knot over that. And Jesus says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So why is Jesus asking the Father to forgive them? Although He is the sovereign, eternal, omnipotent God, He prays for them he, he prays for us, Midtown, as our sin-bearer. He's hanging there before God the Father in our stead, dying in our place as a representative of sinful humanity. J.C. Ryle, a 1800s English pastor, said it is worthy of remark that as soon as As the blood of the great sacrifice began to flow, the great high priest began to intercede. In John 17, Jesus prays his high priestly prayer, which is a clear example of his office as mediator between God and man, God and his people. In 1 Timothy 2.5, Paul wrote, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man Christ Jesus. On the cross, Jesus was identifying himself with the very ones who hated him and brought on all these sorrows. On the cross, Jesus is experiencing what no human being in all history will ever experience, his father's full and furious, holy, righteous wrath against your sin and my sin. He is experiencing what we should have experienced. Jesus, up to this point, had never known a moment of being alone or being abandoned. But on the cross, Jesus would be forsaken by his Father. And Luke writes in Acts 2.23 that Jesus was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. He says lawless people nailed him to a cross and killed him, but but God the Father determined it. And Isaiah hundred, prophesied hundreds of years before in Isaiah 53:10 when it said, It was the will of the Lord to crush him and cause him to suffer. You know, much is made of the physical sufferings of Jesus on the cross. Mel Gibson made quite the movie of it, didn't he? But the physical pain is a mere warm-up to what is to come next. Uh, I, I got one really long quote right now. I'm going to read you a really long quote And it is a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross and the father speaking to his son as his son hangs on the cross. Listen to this. Jesus is startled by a foul odor. It isn't the stench of open wounds. It's something else. And it crawls inside him. He looks up to his father. His father looks back. But Jesus doesn't recognize these eyes. They pierce the invisible world with fire and darken the visible sky. And Jesus feels dirty. He hangs between earth and heaven, filthy with human discharge on the outside and now filthy with human wickedness on the inside. The Father speaks, Son of man. Why have you sinned against me and heaped scorn on my great glory? You are self-sufficient and self-righteous, consumed with yourself, puffed up and selfishly ambitious. You rob me of my glory and worship what's inside of you instead of looking out to the one who created you. You are a greedy, lazy, gluttonous, slanderer, and gossip. You are lying, conceited, ungrateful, cruel, adulterer. You practice sexual immorality. You make pornography and fill your mind with vulgarity. You exchange my truth for a lie and worship the creator instead of the the creature instead of the creator. And so you are given up to your own homosexual passions, dressing immodestly and lusting after what is forbidden. With all your heart, you love perverse pleasure. You hate your brother and murder him with the bullets of anger fired from your own heart. You kill babies for your convenience. You oppose the poor and deal in slaves and ignore the needy. You persecute my people. You love money and prestige and honor. You put on a cloak of outward piety, but instead instead you are filled with dead man's bones. You hypocrite. You are lukewarm and easily enticed by the world. You covet and can't get, so you murder. You are filled with envy and rage and bitterness and unforgiveness. You blame others for your sin and are too proud to even call it sin. You are never slow to speak, and you have a razor's tongue that lashes and cuts with his criticism and sinful judgments. Your words do not impart in grace. Instead, your mouth is a fountain of condemnation and guilt and obscene talk. You are a false prophet leading people astray. You mock your parents. You have no self-control. You are a betrayer who stirs up division and factions. You're a drunkard and a thief. You're an anxious coward. You do not trust me. You blaspheme against me. You're an abusive, uh, unsubmissive wife. You are a lazy, disengaged husband. You file for divorce and crush the parable, my love for the church. You're a pimp and a drug dealer. You practice divination and worship demons. The list of your sins goes on and on, and I hate these things in you filled with disgust for you and indignation for your sin, consumes me. Now drink my cup. And Jesus does. He drinks for hours. He drinks down every drop of the scalding liquid of God's own hatred of sin mingled with his white hot wrath against that sin. This is the Father's cup Omnipotent hatred and anger for the sins of every generation, past, present, and future. Omnipotent wrath directed at one naked man hanging on a cross. The father can no, look at his, no longer look at his beloved son, his heart's treasure, the mere image of himself, and he diverts his gaze. Jesus pushes himself upward and howls, To heaven, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Silence, separation. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He, speaking of God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin surely you could identify yourself in that list somewhere. You know what's the most amazing news, Midtown? Is that Jesus drank that cup so that we will never have to drink that cup. All we will ever know if we are in Christ is steadfast, unending love Remember we sang this morning, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever, can ever pluck me from his hand. Do you believe that this morning? This is one of the truths that we struggle to believe more than anything else. And we struggle to believe it because often we are, we are driven by our emotion and we're having good days and there, therefore we feel when things are going good and we're having a good day, we're loved. And when things aren't going so well and we're not having a good day, we're not loved. It's like the, the daisy or whatever they are. You pick them and you say, he loves me, he loves me not. And you hope like crazy when you get to the last one that he loves you. That is not the God we serve. The God we serve from the cross, standing in our stead, (laughs) said, Father, forgive them. I'll drink the cup. I will take the righteous, holy fury and wrath against every sin they have committed or will ever commit. Father, forgive them. On the cross, God displays his righteous wrath and his unfathomable love. One man says, Holy love triumphs over holy wrath. (laughs) This is really good news. Jesus is being treated as if personally responsible for every sin of mine. And that's why I love singing songs like guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless lamb of God was he. Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah, what a savior. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what your week's been like. I don't know if you've been bogged down under condemnation or guilt, or just if you're that if if if, if the Robert Murray McShane quote suits you, and you're you've been taking ten looks at yourself this week. There's been a whole lot of belly button gazing. I call it. Just looking down and overwhelmed by your failure to measure up, your failure to be what you're supposed to be, your failure to read your Bible enough, your failure to do this and do that. I, I don't know where you're at this morning, but, but looking here this morning, and listen, we are prone to wander, aren't we? Don't we drift from this? We're, we're prone to, to not believe it, the greatest news that, that, it, that could ever be proclaimed. Father, forgive them? (laughs) How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. And we have to sing verse 2 right now. Okay? Here we go. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shore. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying. has brought me life. I know that it is Oh, come on. Is that not great news? Is that not good news? <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Let's worship. I mean, I come on. This is, this is what the reformers used to call the wonderful exchange. Jesus took what was ours so that we could receive what is his. And if he is your savior this morning, oh, we are, we are a rich people. And it doesn't matter what your weeks can look like next week. It doesn't matter. Nothing can separate you from his love. I love how Josh prayed at the end this morning when he said, he's got a good grip and our grip, you know, kind of comes and goes. You ever felt that sometimes? Just not gripping him very much. Maybe even feel like he's just a long ways away. Where are you? He never is a long ways away, and he's always gripping you. (sighs) Come on, that that is good gospel right there. Forgive them. Who are the them? Well, certainly the Roman soldiers, certainly the crowd that hurled insults at him and cursed him, Certainly Pilate and the religious leaders, but Jesus was also praying for Midtown. He's praying for us. In a sense, every pardoned sinner who has ever lived is an answer to Christ's prayer. Since our guilt put him on the cross in the first place, we bear the responsibility for his death just as surely As those who drove the nails through his hands and feet. And the forgiveness he extended on the cross to those who put him to death is the same forgiveness he extends to sinners today. The dying Christ prays for his enemies while dying in their place for their many sins. I love that Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, Forgiveness is is a response to remorse or repentance or at least some acknowledgement of guilt, is it not? As Jesus is being crucified, no one is asking Jesus if he would forgive them. Nobody is saying, oops, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this, we shouldn't have done this. Instead, Jesus is initiating, Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. Aren't you glad that Jesus initiated in awakening your heart and forgiving you? According to Ephesians chapter one verse, or two verse one, I was dead in my transgressions and sins. Dead people can't initiate anything. But Jesus, at the right time, when I was powerless, when I was weak, when I was his enemy, he awakened my heart. forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. There's Jews, there's Gentiles that are killing the Messiah, the Son of God, the sinless one. They don't know whom they're killing. Seems like, though, that there was more than enough evidence that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the sin-bearing Messiah, the Son of God. They would have been mindful of his miracles, mindful of the power over demons, power over nature, his compassion and love for the least, the wisdom in which he spoke, the ability to see through hypocrisy, his unrivaled commitment to his father's glory, his willingness to die for others, his claim to be the son of God. These are just some of the evidence that made the ignorance of his killers a guilty ignorance. But Jesus is praying to the Father, asking him that he might open their eyes so they could see their sin and repent. Jesus prays for the ignorant from the cross. And he is declaring them guilty and offering forgiveness at the same time. (laughs) Oh, there's not one of us in this room that wasn't guilty. Thank God he offered forgiveness. In closing, if you're here and you are one who is trusted in Jesus, look no further than the cross to be convinced that Jesus is the sinless, perfect Son of God, and that He has forgiven all your sins. When we come to this table this morning, there should be much celebration. There's times where we come to this table and we remember. There's times when we think about the the final supper, the, the... marriage supper of the Lamb, we can can do that. But this morning, there should be much celebration in our hearts as we come to this table because when we take that piece of bread and we dip it in either the wine or juice, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus' work was full and final and it accomplished all that needs to be accomplished for us to be forgiven of all our sins. Woohoo! (laughs) <laughs> i'm having this like i want to like i kind of want to holler right now but i would scare you so bad and so i'm i'm, I'm doing this little woo-hoo thing <laughs> listen we've been brought near through the blood of jesus christ his son on the final day when you stand before God the Father there will be no condemnation there will be no judgment because Jesus was condemned and judged in your place That's 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 just the best news ever And if you hear this morning and Jesus is not your savior and lord of your life then then he declares you guilty Jesus has given himself as a sacrifice to pay for your sins and to forgive you of every sin you will ever commit. And all you need to do is place your trust in him and you can do that right now. Place your trust in him and believe that what he has done for you on the cross was sufficient. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, Uh I know there's people in the room this morning that are really struggling to believe this. There's a, there's a mountain of stuff that, as I proclaim past, present, future sins are all placed on Christ. They're, it's coming up and it's, it's, it's like waves. Maybe it's just, just this morning alone what happened at home to get to church is, is there's so much struggle there that they struggle to believe this this morning, that the first words out of your mouth, as our intercessor, as our mediator, you said, Father, forgive them. I, I pray this morning that you would come and you would meet them as we sing together again of who you are and what you've done. Thank you that you've forgiven us. Thank you that when you look at us, you don't see the mountain of sin and the struggle. You see the perfect righteousness of your son. Thank you for the divine exchange, the great exchange, the wonderful exchange. Jesus, we love you. Amen. For more information about Midtown, please go to mtownchurch.ca.